Yeah, man. <laughs> Let's kill that bass head. Let's do this. I'm on the air, we on the air, we got this pockets flow. It's me and Tony on the mics, we gotta let you know. Of current events, little gaming, sprinkling some entertainment. We stay humble, but our mom still thinks we're famous. Turn up the bass and baby, maybe let that magic flow. Our spoken word is all the things you really wanna know. Having a good time on the show, T Bows and Maddie G. Tune in and hit subscribe and join us on the FAP. Welcome back, everybody, to the Freaking Awesome Podcast. I am your host, Anthony Bose, and uh, Maddie G could not make it this evening, but that is all right because we are amongst royalty. Uh, we have our scream queen, no, uh, none other than Genevieve Rossi. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, I'm so happy that you can be here on the show today. I was I was mentioning you before the show started. It just wouldn't uh, it wouldn't be a Halloween special if uh, we didn't have uh, the the uh, Queen of Scream here with us. So it's um, absolutely amazing. Uh, with uh, your roster of uh, Halloween movies, uh, you know, you it definitely puts you up there uh, for years and years of um, you know royalty work. As like I said, you're you're kind of a, a famous. Uh, celebrity of the horror genre amongst many other things that you do but um it's uh hopefully uh we can give everybody a little uh something thrilling for uh for our uh, pre-halloween show so uh this is kind of our, our last that uh, we have two more episodes left uh, to the end of our faptober celebration and um and here we are yeah it is almost halloween this saturday already so yeah we're getting kind of tight so i'm glad you were able to squeeze me in right before halloween yeah, yeah. halloween's like my busy season both as like a horror actress and i'm also a professional uh, fortune teller and tarot card reader oh fantastic we always we, we've had one other um a reader that came onto the show uh at one point and uh it was it was very uh, chilling the amount of things that, uh, of course, were totally applicable to to my life and my family. So it was uh, very. It's very... kind of creepy, right? Yeah, it really makes you wonder, you know. And uh, you know, we had this conversation about uh, how um, like energy works, right? I mean, with everybody, uh, of course, uh, essentially your body is is made of energy, and and so is your soul, if you will. So when you are released from this mortal coil uh where does that energy go right so and and that was uh his kind of uh, uh assessment of things is uh, when he gets this um feeling or these these answers that come through it, it could be um guardian angels it could be just the energy of loved ones that have passed on that uh kind of passes on to him so it was uh a very interesting aspect that uh, i hadn't really thought too much about but uh very very cool um I, I used to always have a joke with friends that uh, whenever the psychic readings and stuff would come into town, uh, you know, I, I would say, you know, I, I'm a little skeptical at sometimes. I kind of want to stand by one of the booths and like think really weird thoughts and just wait for someone to poke their head up over the, the cubicle and look around and be like, who's thinking that? <laughs> but that may have been my my ignorance as to uh, <laughs> how, the, how everything worked back when I was young. Oh, yeah, well, then people's interest, as you were saying, in, like, the paranormal, um, supernatural, and in the psychic uh, phenomenon, I think is deeply rooted in, you know, wanting to believe in an afterlife, wanting to believe in destiny and fate and the universe and all that kind of stuff. It's very, you know, it's deeply spiritual. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right? So, uh, as as you mentioned, uh, with the, the season upon us of... of uh, everything mystical and uh and things that go bump in the night uh, you were quite busy i think i remember seeing uh somewhere on i think it was facebook or something that you were actually quite busy doing a lot of readings and you kind of travel around a lot to do them yeah i was actually just in uh utica in rome which is not too far from like the buffalo upper new york state area doing readings and things like that um i usually do a bunch of events every year this year was a little bit weird with events because we had certain provisions in place for the pandemic and things like that. But, you know, I'm a firm believer that I think we have to try to live our lives and just be as safely as, as safely as we possibly can during this time, you know? Yeah, yeah. 100%. We want to try to, you know, push forward, but as safely as possible, whatever recommendations that are uh, put out there for us. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and then, um, and then horror movies and things like that. Um, 
you know, this time of year, usually we would have guest appearance at conventions and things like that. That's happening a little bit less so now. Some places are doing um, gatherings and conventions to a certain degree. Like I just had an appearance that I did in Smithville, New Jersey last weekend, which was an outdoor event uh, for Halloween. You know, so that was fun. And we got a really good turnout. Yeah, that's really cool. I've, I'm very happy that uh, in this particular industry, the amount of people that have pushed forward, regardless of everything that's been going on, and still made things happen for the fans, because really that's what it comes down to, right? I mean, all these conventions and and uh, and, and gatherings for you know horror cons and comic cons and everything like that is really to sell, you know, the, the opportunity for fans to celebrate and and enjoy and hopefully meet some of their their star favorites and. Uh, to, to kind of take that away from them. I mean, the pandemic enough has been uh, a real uh, pain in the butt for a lot of people who are, are sitting around home. But, um, you know, to, to be able to get open and, and out and still do some of these things, that's a real a real godsend nowadays. It is, it is, it is. You know, we all want to be safe, um, but we still want to enjoy our lives. So it's, it's all, all about kind of finding a compromise between those two things mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. trying to work through it. Like I've gone to a number of events that were inside, you know, where we do temperature checks and they let a certain number of people in the room at the time and people wear masks and things like that. And I think it's better to do that than to have everybody just, uh, you know, being depressed or lethargic and things like that. We want to try to, you know, it's very important um, for the human uh, soul and the human emotionally for us to try to come together as best as we can, I think, during this time. Yeah, uh, yeah, for sure. Um, you know, it's, uh, you know, everybody does their part, right? I mean, this is, this is unfortunately, like, this goes back to my whole theory of things. If everybody just tried a little more, you know, uh, it, the pandemic wouldn't be a problem. War wouldn't be a problem. Famine wouldn't be a problem. Like everybody just kind of pitches in and shares and works together. Now it's amazing to see the amount of people, of course, that have come together, uh, especially up here in Canada. Uh, our cases are, are relatively low because, you know, everybody kind of banded together and shut things down and, and helped out. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of people down in the U.S. It's nice to see that people are putting, uh, if they've got extra food or if they've got resources, they're putting it out there for people who, who are in need. So, you know, if, if we could continue doing that, it would be uh, uh, a different world, I think. Oh, for sure. And then, you know, Canada has, I think, one-tenth population of the United States, and you have mm-hmm. a lot of land mass, so that's really helpful. The problem that I think we run into in America with, like, New York City and stuff is that there's so many people in such a small area yeah, yeah. that that's like something that i guess we're battling with in america is that our population um, you know new jersey new york city over such a small land mass mm-hmm. um because you know if you go to some parts of um uh america there's virtually no cases because it's yeah. more uh rural to a little bit more spread out yeah, yeah. it's like night and day like yeah. i was just in smithville there were like almost no cases there cause it's very spread out I was in uh, Utica, New York State, and they had almost no cases there because it's almost kind of rural. Yeah, uh, yeah. And then you go to New York City or you go to like densely populated regions in New Jersey, and it's like everywhere. So mm-hmm. a lot of it kind of depends on the population density, it seems. Yes, exactly. Right. I mean, we've got our metropolis up here of, of the Toronto area, and, and of course, it's been pretty rampant. And, uh, you know, exactly. and it, it really it does come down to close quarters, right? I mean, just imagine what. Uh, what England and stuff would have to deal with for how tight everything is there. So, so. Oh, exactly right. Yeah, it is a challenge. And then, you know, and then we have certain uh, groups of people that live with their family in very close quarters and things like that. You know, it's it's difficult. It's difficult. There's so many different variables to take into consideration. Every hand, the country's handling this differently, but then every country has all these different, you know, variables to deal with that are completely different. Yeah, you know, that's I, I've been studying like what Europe is doing, what Asia's doing, what we're doing, what everybody's doing. And it's just, uh, and it's like who's right and who's wrong, but everybody maybe has a different solution based on their country. Yeah, exactly. And their population and, and how dense it is and all that stuff. And, and they might even vary from area to area, you know, mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Well, that's true, right? I mean, you've got a ton of countries that just don't have the, the medical supplies or needs that, that, uh, the country necessarily needs, right? And you've got a lot of yeah. the countries. Yeah. Don't. But that's enough of that. We'll go back to the horrible news. Everybody needs an escape, <laughs> exactly. I think, from the pandemic. You know, that's something that we're living with every day. But, you know, the horror movies, fantasy movies, 
uh, going and seeing your favorite actors, uh, watching movies, that can be like a great escape. I know when we started with this whole thing, I was home watching all of my uh, crazy horror movies. I was watching some ones that were a little fitting. Like, what did I watch? I watched Vincent Price and uh, The Last Man on Earth. Okay, yeah. I was watching The Stand, the miniseries from like the 90s. Oh, that was a great one. Yeah, that was great. Oh, like Mask of the Red Death was like another one that was kind of fitting. I was yeah. finding ones that were kind of a little bit fitting of what we're going through and things like that. Kind of interesting. But, yeah. you, know, um, you know, watching movies and, and all this stuff is all kind of about escape. And that's one of the reasons why people are missing the conventions and all that kind of stuff now. To a certain degree, in some parts of the country, they are doing some conventions, I think, like in like less densely populated states that maybe have been less affected. And, you know, everybody's wearing a mask and they're doing temperature checks and letting a small group of people in. And we'll see how that all pans out. You know, maybe that'll be, end up being, you know, something that we'll be able to do more and more to yeah. kind of keep things going for people. Yeah. But, um, but you know, I just had a uh, talk with somebody today about a potential film project that we'll be working on maybe in November or December. Okay. That I can't really release yet. No. Uh, but, you know, like a, like a series, like a, a TV series kind of thing. Oh, so, and then I have some other horror movies coming up that I look forward to working on, including one called uh, Jasper. Uh, there's another one called Green Hunter and another one called Z Dead End. And okay. then I just got cast in one that I'll be filming out in Kentucky uh, called Vampire Santa. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, he's Santa Claus, but he's also a vampire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. That's uh, <laughs> yeah. That, that just got added to my IMDb, so I'm looking forward to doing that soon. And um, you know, we got to just kind of push forward and keep ourselves busy and stuff. And I just fil- filmed something remotely called what was it? Um, uh, which what was it? Something witches. Oh my God, it's on my IMDb. Um, oh, now I can't remember the name. It, it brings Stevens is in it, Lene Quickly's in it, a whole bunch of people. Um, what is it? Something, um, something of the witches. Okay. And um, we just filmed that recently with a whole bunch of really exciting people. We also um, filmed a movie called uh, Central Authority uh, remotely. Okay. So that we did that one. I did a documentary recently um, remotely, and just kind of keeping myself, you know, busy. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the film you were thinking of was the the Witches of the Sands. That's it, Witches of the Sands. Yeah, yeah, I was thinking like Witches of the Mist, but yeah. Witches of the Sands. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool. Brink Stevens is in that, which I always grew up really loving her and and her movies and stuff. She always seemed like a cool lady, and then um and then a whole bunch of other really cool people as well. So yeah, yeah, I was looking at your IMDb and I had seen that uh, that Vampire Santa one, and uh, I without of course looking at any type of synopsis or anything, I thought what a great idea. If it turns around to find out the reason why that that Santa has been immortal is because this whole time he's been a vampire. So and that's why his favorite color is red. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so cool. What a great thought. <laughs> yeah, that would be great. Yeah, and that's why he always looks the same. He's always yeah. like covering the toys and whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. That would be interesting. So we're looking forward to working on that one. I was just speaking to the director and producer the other day. It's going to be filmed out in Kentucky. We have a lot of really cool people as part of the cast. And this would be kind of one of those fun over the top kinds of movies that people really love. Mm-hmm. You know, that's like something that's very popular in the genre. People really love these over the top, insane movies. Like, I directed a short film that's turning into a feature right now um, called Attack of the Killer Chickens, the movie. Yes, yes, that's right. It was uh, a little while back that you had, uh, had uh, kind of originally came up with that idea, right? Oh, yeah, it was a couple of years ago that I did the short film, and then that short film blossomed into a feature film that we, we've been working on. Yeah, so. that's very, very cool. Um, I also find it uh, interesting that uh, you and I have a mutual friend. Uh, actually, a couple of mutual friends. <laughs> but, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, of course, we have Stacy Toy and uh, Lloyd Kaufman. Oh, there you go. Well, Stacy and I worked together on 100 Acres of Hell. Yep. And that was a couple of years ago, and that recently got distribution. I pop up in a really fun cameo. And that's a really cool movie, though. I recommend that to everybody. It's a very like high-quality horror film. I think it's really well-acted. Yeah, it has good cinematography. And I'm not going to give away the ending, but the ending will definitely throw you for a loop. Oh, I love those type of movies. Yeah, yeah. Like, so you got to like check that out. Film. And if you're a fan of wrestling, Gene Snitsky is one of the stars. Who's yeah. WWE. So. Yep. 
I was looking at the trailer of it, and uh, it's absolutely, it looks fantastic. I, I can't wait to watch it myself. Uh, some of these films are not as easy to come by up here in Canada. I think it's just because of the streaming platforms that they're on. Uh, they're, they're maybe more readily available in the U.S. than, than the Canadian version, which I think is a bunch of BS because, you know, it, make it, make it readily available across the world. So, um, but, uh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I always wonder what that's like. It's like a lot of my movies, I think 35 or so are on Amazon Prime, and that seems like that's a pretty accessible thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, obviously I've had some things on Netflix and Redbox, but then there's all these other websites and stuff, and you do wonder how accessible they are in other. In other countries, like if somebody in Japan wanted to watch it or something like that, were they able to find it? Were they not? You know, yeah. I did a horror convention a couple of years ago in Birmingham, United Kingdom, and I was kind of surprised at what movies people knew me for and what movies they didn't know me for. Mm-hmm. Like one was, I think, called Haunting Day, which was like a short film that I did in Long Island a couple of years ago, and some 24-year-old guy had seen that. And I was like, how did you even see that in England? I, You know? Yeah. But it must be on some platform that he had access to that he saw. Because I just, you know, sometimes you just don't realize what things really reach people the most. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So it's interesting. It, it's um, still a, a mystery sometimes, right? I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll see a movie that I really, really want to watch and I check all my, my streaming services and I'm just like, where am I going to? So I have to like Google, where is this streaming, <laughs> you know? And, and every once in a while I'll see something like a great horror flick and then it says, oh, it's on Shutter." So I push the shutter so it'll go over to the app and then it goes to the app and then it's just blank. So I assume there's an American shutter and there's a Canadian shutter. Maybe, and maybe some things get this distribution for a, a certain period of time and maybe they're taken off and new movies mm. put on. I'm not sure, you know, like when something goes to Netflix or Netbox, like how long does it stay on there? Yeah, yeah. Or Amazon Prime or anything like that. Is it like permanently up there sometimes or maybe some movies just stay up there for a certain amount of time? And if yeah. you don't watch them in that time period, maybe they become harder to watch. Yep. Yeah. You know, mm. I watch a lot of like old movies and things like that. And some of them are really, really hard to find. Like I'm a fan of uh, Joe D'Alessandro that did like the Andy Warhol movies. And okay. some of his films are like impossible to find, even though they have a big cult song. Yeah. You know? But they're still like, you really got to like track them down. It, I guess it's just like that. If, if you're writing books that aren't mainstream and if you're in movies that aren't 100% mainstream, I guess they just become hard to find. Yeah, yeah, it's true. And, uh, and you know what, but eventually it gets around. And, and that's the beautiful thing about a lot of the electronic media is, uh, you know, even though uh, it might be regional at the moment, it doesn't mean that it's not going to cross over and eventually make it everywhere else. It just takes a little longer. That's all. Yeah, some movies are just hard to get, and, and, and sometimes they're almost designed that way. Like, I did one movie called Hunters, uh, directed by Adam Albrand. I'm in that with Renee Quigley and a, a bunch of really other talented people. And it's a really edgy and cool movie, and some distributors didn't want to touch it because maybe it was a little too controversial. Mm. And as a result, a certain numbers, a number of it were available on Blu-ray and DVD online. And um, and that's been a blessing and a curse because I think all the DVDs and Blu-rays are worth quite a bit of money for people that really want them. Yes, yeah. Um, you know, so it kind of goes both ways because they are kind of hard to get. And then sometimes I guess that's a good thing that then you end up charging more for each individual film and thing like things like that. Sometimes these rare movies are like that. You might, yeah. you might end up spending like eighty dollars on something that's kind of hard to come by. But then yeah. it might appreciate in value in a couple of years too, especially if you get it signed by cast members the next convention that you go to. That's exactly it, yeah. And then, of course, if it is rare, then you're one of the few lucky people that actually have a copy of it, right? Exactly. It'll probably just become more rare as time goes on, especially yeah. if you have those signatures on and stuff. Who knows? Maybe one day you'll be selling it for a couple hundred dollars. Who yeah. knows? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it'll just sit on your shelf as your own uh, personal, uh, you know, uh, trinket or, or or collectible that uh, it, you're just like, nope, this will be with me forever, and then I'll pass it on to the next generation. Well, yeah, that's the thing when you get these collectibles is that sometimes, you, you know, you get attached and you hate giving them up. Like, I just went to a toy show and I found out some, like, werewolf stuffed animal that I bought for $20 a few years ago. It's worth, like, 100 now. Oh, wow. But, but I, I don't know if I could part with him, you know. He's, like, my bro, you know. Yeah. Be, yeah, he's, like, a really cute werewolf stuffed animal. And I've had him for, like, a few years. And, you know, I don't know. Would it even be worth $100 for me to sell him? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, you have to kind of weigh that if it's something that really means a lot to you and, and you like having it around, you even sell it. Yeah. 
Maybe if it appreciates to a certain value. Maybe if he was worth a thousand, I might put it. <laughs> you never know, right? Certain things are just uh, they they mean so much more to you than the dollar value eventually, right? You could be like, a ah, hundred is pretty good for this stuff toy, but then you're like, oh, but I've had it for so long, and you know, there's always been like a, either a, a joke or something that you've had people over and someone saw it, and then it brings back a memory or something, and and then you just weigh whether or not it's even worth worth getting, you know, getting. Yeah, or, you know, some kind of sentimental uh, value to it and things like that that you have a certain attachment to the objects that we all have. Like yeah, that. it's hard to say. It's hard to say, but yeah, uh, yeah you know, but uh, you know, I'm excited to get to keep busy making more movies and keep myself doing things. You know, Witches of the Sand was a fun movie to do. They got really an amazing cast. That's like actually a film based in the United Kingdom. And then they end up with an international cast of people that are filming a lot of their scenes remotely. And some of it's being filmed in the United Kingdom as well. Okay, that's really cool. Um, yeah. I've actually, I've, I've, I'm seeing more and more. And of course, I think it's just a, an example of the times, but people doing these remote filmings, right? You've got a, a little studio here or they'd be like, hey, no, actually, what I saw the other day... Um, Oh, I wish I remember the director that was working on it right now, but uh, he was filming a, uh, it's kind of like a, a mutant, um, I don't know if it was mutant bikini girls from outer space or something like that. And um, it was interesting because he was having people shoot themselves in different areas with their cell phones. And then he was post-production putting all the alien features and everything in, which I thought was a really great idea, right? I mean, given everything that's going on, the movie will still go on. It still happens. And then you also have so many more people that can get involved with it and share it out. And it's, it's a, I thought it was a brilliant idea. Well, and I think a lot of like actors and people in the arts have this like, you know, uh, we all think, you know, the show must go on kind of idea. Yeah. And that's something that's like really um, kind of like a work ethic that a lot of performers have had over the years, you know. I often think of, uh, you know, my father's, one of my father's favorite actors, Lou Costello. If mm. anybody remembers him from Bud and Lou Costello, Love you know, it. the day his son drowned, he still performed. Yeah, yeah. You know? Because to him, he couldn't disappoint the fans, even though he had just faced probably the greatest tragedy of his life, you know? Yeah, yeah for sure. I wasn't he aware of that. still performed, you know? Yeah. And, and a lot of people are like that. So, and we see that even now that, you know, they feel like one way or another, they're going to find a way to perform and to keep at the craft and do this. And, and to a certain degree, it's a little bit of an escape and a good way to kind of vent your emotions and things like that creatively. Yeah. You know, a lot of people become more creative during these time periods. Like I think William Shakespeare wrote King Lear during the Black Flag, you know? Yep. Mm-hmm. So sometimes, so great art might really come out of this time period and great films and great everything. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, tragedy can can bring a lot of creativity out of people, and uh, and you know, I also find that uh, with everything that kind of that happens, depending on even on the time period and stuff, their grief can last for a long time. So if you're in a project, um, the best thing to do is let's complete the project, so then you can focus on you and your family and and grieve properly, and then move on. Well, it's probably something true, too. Yeah, yeah. you have to give yourself maybe some time to do, do things and then work on some mm-hmm. other things and stuff. Like, I just, um, I was actually a zombie in um, Army of the Dead a while mm-hmm. ago, which is a uh, Netflix uh, film that'll probably be released at some point. It had, like, a budget of, like, $90 million or something like that. Mm-hmm. I had applied for it thinking it was just, like, an indie film, you know, Zombies Wanted or something like that. Yep. And I sent my pictures... Like they wanted a headshot and like a full body view, like in a bikini, and to be a zombie. And then they they, they got me back, uh, and they're like, "You send more pictures. We're we're thinking about you right now, and trying to see if you're going to fit what we're looking for." And then it ended up being a Zack Schneider's Army of the Dead. Okay, and, yeah. And that was his first film after he went through a period where I think he lost his daughter, um. and he took a couple years, I think, off. Where he, um, from what I was reading online, he seemed like a very nice man. I think he did like a lot of volunteer work and things like that to kind of process his loss and kind of work through it with mm-hmm. his family. And then this was his movie that he decided to do when he was like ready and things like that. Yeah, yeah. He seemed like a very nice man, Zack Schneider. So I look forward to seeing Army of the Dead when it comes out. And I play two separate zombies in it. If you okay. look at my IMDb, I play uh, a nun zombie. Okay. And then I also play like a more athletic looking zombie that looks a little bit closer to what I actually look like. 
Okay. <laughs> Very cool. I thought when you were going to say, uh, when they, when they basically contact you back and saying, we need to see more pictures. We need to see more pictures. I'd be like, how legit is this film? <laughs> you know? <laughs> oh yeah. You never know with that. Like if I've had people get back to me, um, cause yeah, cause you never know how legit anything is like, where they'll be like, can you send me pictures of yourself in the shower? You know, <laughs> or like you're naked. Cause we're trying, we're considering you for the part. Don't worry. I will show it to anyone. Yeah. But, um, uh, but this was something, I guess, because um, in different movies we notice, like whether it's like Night of the Living Dead or Walking Dead, people mm-hmm. have a different idea of how they want their zombie to look. That's right. Like what kind of face and what kind of body type. Mm-hmm. And I guess they were, you know, Zack Schneider and his people were being like looking at everybody's pictures and seeing if they conformed to what their ideal zombie was for this particular film project. Okay. Yeah. You know, and if you look at the different zombies, like, in every movie, in every TV show, they do kind of conform to a different aesthetic. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, you've got sometimes very heavy set ones and you have very emaciated zombies and stuff. And, and they obviously have to look for a very, uh, very slim body type to, to even pull that off. Even with additional makeup and, and shading and stuff, when they really want to make someone look very thin and gaunt, you have to get someone quite thin to begin with. Exactly, yeah, and they were looking for a very uh, particular maybe type of face, maybe a very particular uh, body type, maybe even certain like hair colors and things like that, mm-hmm. because when you got there, you kind of saw that like, you know, like me, I kind of maybe conformed to what they were looking for, more or less. Yeah, yeah, for sure, that's very, that's very cool. And um, acting's like that, you know, a lot of times whether or not you get picked for a role is kind of arbitrary. It's not that, like, you're not pretty enough or you're not this enough or not that enough. It's, like, whether or not you fit what they're looking for. Like, are you in the right age bracket? Maybe you're too young. Maybe yeah. you're a little too old for the part. Maybe you're too short. Maybe you're too tall. Maybe you're too blonde. Maybe you're too redheaded. You know, who knows? It's, like, whatever the director and the producer's vision of what that character would be. Yes, yeah. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's arbitrary, and a lot of times it doesn't really have anything to do with you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it's funny because I, I actually, uh, when you say that, it makes me think of uh, when they film for movies uh, with Tom Cruise in it. because He's not a very big guy, right? So do they find actresses that are shorter than him or did they just level the stage out so that they always stand slightly lower than he does? I think, well, you know, he ended up being, you know, um, and what was that movie? Uh, oh, I forgot what, what it was. But, you know, with Nicole Kidman, they were in famously in a movie together Ooh, yes, ago, right? Days of Thunder. she's taller than him so oh, i yeah. think they must have put him up on a box or something like that <laughs> during their scenes together so that oh she must have been like in something like where their heights kind of balance out yeah i mean she's considerably taller than he is i think she's something like six foot two and he's only like five foot six or five foot eight or something it's uh it's a, a big difference in height exactly and then i do think a lot of male actors are shorter than you would realize too yes yeah. I don't think he, I think he's not the only one. I think like a lot of them are shorter than you would actually think. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm always surprised when I see like you see the like the really big guys like Sylvester Stallone or or um, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and you're thinking these these guys are monsters. And then when you see their height, you're like, I'm taller than they are. <laughs> oh yeah, exactly right, exactly right. Um, a lot of them, I think, are. Shorter, and it's just like it's how they shoot them, the angle, and things like that that make them seem larger than life when you see yeah. them in actual uh, film. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and, and things like that. Yeah, it's it's pretty interesting, but that's true of a lot of them, a lot of them. And uh, and then some people I think argue that sometimes some having actors that aren't too tall is maybe ideal because it's easier to frame them in the shot with everybody else. Yes. Yeah, exactly. you know, things like that. But I think there have been some really tall actors like Clint Eastwood, I think, is super tall. Yeah, I think he is quite a tall person. So. Yes, I don't think it necessarily limits you. Your height maybe doesn't matter as much as you think it does, whether you're a little short or a little tall. Um, they can always kind of mess with it and make you seem shorter, make you seem taller if they need to, depending on the role. Yeah, exactly. Everything can be... Uh, um balanced out with camera angles nowadays which is yeah but when you're like a zombie and you're like in a zombie horde they usually like you know want everybody more or less the same like maybe they maybe they want everybody to be between five seven and five ten or something like that they might have like a certain parameters so nobody's like sticking out as like six four or something like that or like you know or like five feet tall you know they want everybody to be kind of a little bit more uniform for yep. your zombie horde perhaps yeah yeah exactly 
you know, but other kinds of acting work, it probably matters a little bit less. But it's interesting. But, you know, that's what you have to remember as an actor, that a lot of times it's just not personal, whether or not you're chosen for a role when you submit. You just might not fit what they envision that character looking for. That's why they have these big, giant casting calls where they look at, like, hundreds or thousands of people because they have this image made in their mind of what this character should look like. Yes, yeah. Like when they did a casting call for Harry Potter, you know, like Harry Potter had to look a very particular way, I guess. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, so speaking of like uh, Halloween traditions and stuff like that, when we, were, we first started off, what, what is your Halloween tradition? That's a good question. What do I do traditionally on Halloween? Well, usually every Halloween, probably not this one, but every other Halloween, I usually get booked up solid with all these uh, tarot carving and fortune telling gigs where I usually am like running around like a crazed person doing party after party after gig after gig. Uh-huh. Um, so I hate to say no to anything that pays a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm just like doing all of that. Um, but this year probably going to be a little slower with that because, you know, there have been some gigs that I've done and then some I decline, you know, you know, based on um, how much they pay and whether or not it's worth, you know, taking some kind of risk if I don't feel like it's a safe enough gig or anything like that. Yeah, 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 exactly. You have to weigh all that out. Um, this year, it, it all depends on what your comfort level is and things like that. And some events um, are being much safer about things than others. And yeah. then, you know, and then it also depends on what your personal uh, preferences or your comfort zone is. Because everybody's kind of different when it comes to this right now. Yep. That's true. Yeah. You know, so. some of my friends are living their lives um, not very differently than they were before, except maybe they're wearing a mask and washing their hands more. Okay. And then some of my friends are, are staying home an awful lot, depending on what your health is and, you know, what your sensitivity to risk is. And, and not, nothing's right or wrong. You have to do what's right for you. Yeah, exactly. 100%. So uh, normally, I would be busy doing things like that, and I would be going to Halloween parties and all that kind of stuff. But what I'm doing this year is I did some, uh, you know, events that were uh, social distance and safe. And then I might, I'm probably going to be doing something outside. We're going to be going to like these outdoor haunted kinds of events. And I'm going to Wild West City most likely, which is an outdoor uh, Wild West theme park where they're having an outdoor socially distanced kind of Halloween event. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, so it's it's nice to see that there's still lots of venues and and again, like you said, it also can it depends on uh, you know what kind of safety precautions has everybody got in place. I mean, the the more safe they've got things, then the more you know uh, likely you're going to want to attend them. Oh yeah, I think that's a big thing right now is that if you're going to an event or if, even if you're going to a pizzeria or whatever, um, if you go there and you feel like the people are really on top of things and they're being safe you're going to be much more likely to go to that particular place and buy their pizza or go to their event. I've been to a bunch of shows recently that have been really good about um, you know, making sure people wearing masks and temperature checks, you know, having only a certain number of people in the room at the time, mm-hmm. you know, having Purell around and things like that. Like some places are really definitely going above and beyond, and then some places are kind of lacking. And, and that can really have a huge effect on your business right now. You're probably going to make a huge amount of money if, if you seem like you're being really careful and people are confident in you. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Right? Now, um, you were saying at this point that uh, you, you get quite booked with uh, terror readings at this time of year. Is that because the uh, the conditions are more right for, for terror readings? Is it because people find more enjoyment at this time of year with terror readings? Or? Well, the belief, I think, is, is that Halloween is when the veil between the living and the dead is at its thinnest. Uh-huh. And it's easier to communicate with the dead and things like that. And sometimes that can kind of come up when you're doing a uh, tarot card reading and meeting shit. There's sometimes when I've done readings for people where, you know, maybe uh, people that have died in their lives have come up a lot. Okay. And then, and then other times it doesn't come up at all. Mm-hmm. It just kind of varies, I guess, depending on the person that you're reading and things like that. And then I think, you know, the Halloween season just kind of gets everybody into this supernatural paranormal kind of mood where they really want to have a fortune telling uh, a session with somebody. But certain times are like that. Like I've done, um, you know, Halloween parties. Some people are really interested in uh, getting a reading for the new year. Uh-huh. See how their new year is going to go. Yeah. Um, some people might want to do it for like their birthday. 
Um, I've even done like baby showers and bridal showers where maybe people want to see how what that's going to be like for them. And I've also done weddings, believe it or not, where I've been at a wedding doing readings. That's really cool. I'm I'm glad that so many people are thinking outside of the box, right? That's uh, it's neat. oh yeah, for sure. And then charity events, like I remember, I did like an autism event a while ago, where um, you know, it was at a beautiful country club, and they had everybody like you know got these tokens to do different kinds of games and events, and one of them was getting your uh, fortune told. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, that's neat. I like that. Yeah, you pop up at all weird different kinds of events, and then like a lot of times I end up at these college parties. I remember one year it was really funny. I ended up doing like a fifth grade Halloween party, which was really cute. It's really hard <laughs> to tell, like, you know, fifth graders things about their lives because their lives were kind of basic at that point. <laughs> you yeah. know, yeah. school, parents, homework, things like that. So that's kind of cute. And then also graduation parties sometimes comes up too. Okay. Yeah. Because people are graduating from high school and they're like, what does the future hold? Yeah. Yeah. Now, I know a lot of tarot readers uh, have a tendency to try to steer clear of, um, like, longevity of life. Oh, well, yeah. First, first we want to try to say. It's kind of upbeat, and we, don't, we try not to go on, I guess, especially when you're doing it at an event, you know, when yeah. there's like lots of people you're reading, and maybe you have a client that you want to keep happy. You don't want to kind of get bogged down with um, any kind of negative uh, kinds of things, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. people. Yeah, so, you, you know, and also I think there's always that fear that you're going to prepare like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like if you told somebody they were going to die at a certain age, you know, maybe like that, yeah. that you might be cursing the person in a sense, <laughs> <laughs> you know? Sometimes, yeah. you know, the power of the mind, if somebody believes something's going to happen, maybe it will. Yeah, yeah. It's true. You could be like, oh, man, I've only got 10 years left. Well, screw it. I'm going to go sail around the world. And then all of a sudden you end up like having a boating accident or something, which maybe have never happened if you if you didn't uh, have that timeline put on you. Oh, exactly. And there are cases of people that like, you know, psychologically, like they know that someone cursed them or whatever. And then just like the psychological effect of all the stress and everything, like end up causing them a heart attack or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's like a certain. You know, there's a power to prayer, but there's also a, a power sometimes to like some of this negative stuff too. Like I remember reading somewhere, you know, Anton LaVey, who founded like the Church of Satan. You know, he in the seventies he wrote like a little curse out to somebody and sent and mailed it to them, and they really did die. But if if like the leader of the Church of Satan sent you a letter that you were cursed, that might really have some psychological effects on you and your stress levels and yeah. your heart and the probability of you having a heart attack or a stroke or something like that, because that would seem pretty serious and pretty crazy, you know? Yeah, yeah. And you might believe it on some level. So I would mm-hmm. think you want to kind of stay away from things like that because you don't know for a fact if you're giving someone accurate information and you don't want to create a self-fulfilling prophecy. And self-fulfilling prophecies, there's a lot of evidence to support psychologically that that, that is a thing. Like if somebody believes something to be real, mm-hmm. it may become real. And I, you know, and I think, and and ultimately, I think when you're doing readings with people, you want to keep in mind that I think you ultimately have control over your future, your destiny, your life and things like that. You know, you you never know. It's like, um, you know, nothing's probably necessarily set in stone. You know, our decisions, you might make different decisions. um, Then, you know, who knows what decisions you're going to make. You might just end up taking a different course with your life than the cards think you're going to take yep because yeah. you just you end up doing that you know um yeah. there's there's always that element of uh free will yeah yep that's right that's true so very interesting uh, yeah. now I, w- I want to ask you one more question actually before we uh, get into our uh, our rapid fire questions here and uh so you've done so many different roles in, in so many different versions of of like horror genres so everything from like witches to to vampires to werewolves and all these zombies and all these different kind of films what has been your most favorite character to play well that's an interesting one um my favorite characters i i guess the characters that that you play or that you always enjoy the most as an actor is maybe the ones that you thought you couldn't imagine yourself playing that are maybe the furthest from who you are Mm-hmm. Yeah, that you think that's going to be a challenge. Like I know when I did a Apocalypse Kiss, and I play like a nine month pregnant like hippie character, and I give birth in the movie. 
I'm like, that's pretty, you know, different. You know, that's yeah. something you don't you don't get to give birth and, and be ninth month pregnant in a movie and you mm-hmm. have to and you have that challenge of making that believable. You're not actually in that situation. Or then I'm in a movie like Hunters where I'm like a crazy person running around stabbing somebody and I have a southern accent and you want to make that believable. Here I am, I'm a southern person, I am a murderer, and you have to just like convey that as realistically as possible. Um, even though that's probably very far from who you are. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 you know, it's it's always the roles that you thought you couldn't play that end up being the ones that are the most fun or the ones that are most different from who you are. You yeah. know, you're playing like a supernatural character um, is always kind of cool because that's very distant from who you are. You know, playing a witch, playing a Satanist, playing like a vampire, playing like a zombie, you know, something like that is kind of always interesting because it's like you want to put on this realistic performance. Like real acting, really good acting, you don't even realize the person's doing it. Yeah. yeah, you feel like that's almost just them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. I mean, uh, you, I guess uh, right up there, your your other thing could just be uh, wielding a chainsaw. So you know, I don't necessarily know that you would do that on a regular basis. Oh yeah, there's one movie called Dead Men Tell No Tales where I have a chainsaw. Yes, <laughs> and that was really interesting because um, I showed up in West Virginia and I learned how to use a chainsaw that day. I never used a chainsaw before. It doesn't really come up that much in the New York City area. No. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you imagine that? People hear me in my apartment with my chainsaw. Probably call the police. It doesn't come up. Exactly. Something I would really be doing with it that would be good, probably. Yeah. It's not like I'm chopping down trees around here or anything like that. There aren't that many trees. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would imagine in, in, in a, like a, an apartment complex or uh, a, a condo or something in the middle of uh, downtown manhattan or something and someone fires up a chainsaw you know there's something afoot <laughs> yeah like how many people in the new york city area even own a chainsaw and why would they own a chainsaw you know, imagine <laughs> that you went over to somebody's house and they had a chainsaw you'd be like why do you have a chainsaw living in manhattan like what are you going to do with that chainsaw you know you're, it, that would be very suspect so yeah. i went there and i had to learn how to use a chainsaw and it was a very cute like kind of like lightweight chainsaw it wasn't particularly heavy and we had to do chainsaw 101 and things like that and they were showing me how to use the chainsaw and they seemed like they knew what they were doing but then i found out later that they were actually struggling with the chainsaw before i got there <laughs> <laughs> that's good yeah it's pretty funny so they they were even having a hard time because maybe chainsaws vary you know maybe that was like a tricky chainsaw to use i don't have that was the only chainsaw i've ever used so i can't compare it to other chainsaw yeah. My one friend, Robert, that lives out in Long Island, he was like, that's a really good chainsaw. He's like, I have one like that. And I'm like, okay. You know, because <laughs> he lives out in a little bit more of a suburban area where I guess maybe he would need a chainsaw for something. Yeah, and yeah. He takes trees out of his yard himself or something like that. Maybe he owns a lot of property. But uh, he's handy, I guess, to have a chainsaw. But I can't imagine why you would even own one because you're probably not going to use it that much. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. How often do you use a chainsaw? You, know, like, <laughs> you, you have this model, this one right here. Did you know if it's particularly good for body parts or just other types of limbs? <laughs> yeah, unless you're like Leatherface or something. Right. Like, you know, yeah, like how often do you really need to use a chainsaw? Can you just rent one? Because like, yeah. what's the really owning one? And how much do it cost? Things to think about. So I'm in my brawn panties, like animal print bottom panties, and I'm running around uh, killing people with chainsaw, and there's blood splattering and things like that. And then when people see the picture of me holding it, they're like, you know, you really should be wearing protective glasses. You're like, is that what you're worried about? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like, that's probably a good point, but it's a movie, and I'm not really putting it into anything. <laughs> yeah. You know, so I guess they decide not to do it. But if we wanted to do proper, I guess, chainsaw safety, I think I would probably have protective glasses. Maybe I would even have headphones on because it's right. kind of a loud thing. Maybe I would, you know, probably a lot of different things would be in place, you know. Pants, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I'd probably be wearing clothes. Yeah. I was using my chainsaw, I would think. Right. <laughs> but like, it's a really, horror movie. You feel like I need glasses to, to have with some pants. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I safety, but, you know, clothes. <laughs> Yeah, they're like, no, 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 it's okay. You're okay with what you're wearing. You just, you, eye safety is important. <laughs> yeah, that's like what we're really like focusing on there. But yeah, it's it's interesting. That was the one time I got to use a chainsaw. So that was kind of interesting. You know, it kind of opens yourself up a little bit to the kinds of interesting things that you get to do. Um, I'm going to say one film that I did that was really interesting was Herschel Gordon Lewis's Blood Mania. We filmed that in Calgary, Canada mm-hmm. um, a couple Ooh. years ago. 
And the person that worked on it, Dave Trainer, was our makeup artist, and he's worked on Fargo. And okay. I had uh, a scene in there that was very bloody and, and very gross. And I remember like thinking to myself, you know, I've been in over a hundred horror movies, and I think that was the one scene that made me a little nauseous. Oh, really? Because it it, it was very realistic, even when I was in the scene, it mm-hmm. looked very real. Wow. Which is not always the case. But in this particular case, the way everything was set up, it looked very, very real, even in the moment. You know, <laughs> like, uh, I'm like, I hope I'm not really cutting off my leg. You know, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Whose leg is that? That is a mannequin leg, right? <laughs> yeah, because I'm like, that looks like I kind of am. Wow, you know, and it just like it looks so real. Whereas sometimes when you do these movies and like you're cutting off somebody's head, the way we do it is kind of in the editing process. That when mm. you're chopping off their head, it doesn't seem like you're chopping off anybody's head yes yeah you know it's something that we kind of put it all together later on yeah all done in post-production yeah exactly exactly so sometimes when you're doing these things they're not nearly as scary and ooky and whatever as you think they're going to be or how they translate into film especially you know putting the cgi and things like that later yeah 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 definitely wonderful all right uh, how about we jump into the second uh, section of our show and we're going to do that okay. uh, few quick questions so again uh these are some quick questions if you don't know the answer you can just say pass uh or other than that just give us the first thing that comes to your mind okay all right Rapid fire questions. what made-up word would you register into the english dictionary a made-up word that i would mm-hmm. register pass on. okay yep not a problem uh what is the scariest dream you've ever had Falling. Falling. Yep. Uh, like a, a very high height, I'm assuming. Yeah. Like you're running high. down the street and you skin your like knee. <laughs> falling, falling, falling. Imagine just being up at like a really, really high height and then just having like seconds or even minutes of just falling and there's nothing you can do about it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. For Ooh. sure. Um, that. Yeah. What superpower would you prefer? Like if you could have any superpower, which one would you want to have? Flying. Why? Yeah, that one's always popular. Yeah. Uh, what is your earliest childhood memory? I remember being a little, I guess a baby or a toddler and jumping out of my crib and escaping. But, oh, I see. I was I was good at that, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I remember doing it and I remember how exactly I did do it, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's that's cool. Um, what makes you the happiest? What makes me the happiest? I like being busy. You know, doing different things like going out places, making movies, reading tarot cards, hanging out with friends, being social. So I think I'm the happiest when I'm keeping myself busy with things. Okay. Especially creative things, artistic things, and social things. All right. Would you like to learn a foreign language? And if so, which language? Oh, my goodness. You know, I've, I've tried learning foreign languages. And as an American, it's so challenging because we don't really, you know, we're so far away from other countries. Yep. Ukrainian people speak English, you know? And, um, so, you know, Europeans really have the advantage with that. I have taken some Italian classes because some, some people in my family uh, speak Italian and things like okay. that. But that's a challenging one because then it's so rare that you meet anyone that speaks Italian. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> uh, but yeah. I would like that. Yeah. Italian, that's cool. Yeah, beautiful um, Oh, here's a good one. Uh, what decade? would you like to live in if you can go through time and, and live in any decade? Oh, I always feel like uh, maybe like really like the 60s and the 70s, probably the 70s, even more than the 60s, though. I, you know, a lot of people say my apartment has a lot of uh, uh, like a 1970s kind of mod aesthetic. Okay. And then when I go to thrift stores, I always end up buying like a lot of 1970s mod. Even though I, you know, I wasn't alive during that time period, I'm always like very attracted to that aesthetic. Yeah. And yeah. also like, you know, the decor and things like that. And you can really, that stuff was so well made that if you go to an antique store or you go to a vintage store, you can find a lot of it that's in really good condition. That's true. Yeah. It's still, still together and still going strong. You, you exactly. Can't find that, you can't find that with like today's clothing. That's for sure. No, they're not going to have them in thrift stores like 50 years from now. But like 1970 stuff is really cool. Like I said, I have a couple mod jackets. I have like a raincoat. I have a whole bunch of stuff on that era. And I just feel like the style there like really had like this cool kind of pizzazz to it, the mod, especially like the mod you yeah. Know, era. Yeah, that's that's really cool. 
Um, what was the first movie that made you cry? Oh, the first movie that made me cry. Oh, there's probably every movie makes me cry. <laughs> um, oh, you know, like I'm the kind of person. Almost every movie that I watch makes me cry. Um, I was watching some old Elizabeth Taylor movie last night that I think was like had been on television that made me cry. You know, almost everything makes me cry. I'm like, a very, I'm Italian, so I'm you know, American person. And I'm like very emotional, and my emotions are always on the surface. So if there's any movie that is even slightly emotionally, uh, just you know, tugs on those heartstrings. Yeah, like I remember I watched Independence Day with my friend Alex. I watched Phenomenon with John Travolta. We were yeah. both crying for Phenomenon with John Travolta. You know, people when they watch like Titanic or like Romeo and Juliet. It's like almost anything can really make you cry if you're like in that mindset. Titanic, yeah, that Titanic. I think a lot of people cry for that movie. It's like yeah. one of the big crying movies I think ever made. Yeah, you know, right? Like yeah. they made that movie essentially so you could just like cry, especially at the end and things like that. Yeah. Um, it would be interesting to see what a horror movie has ever made me cry. <laughs> you know, um, the Last Man on Earth with Vincent Price was a little bit of a tearjerker. Okay. That actually had some really um, emotional scenes, you know, with him, mm-hmm. like, losing his family and being, like, the last human being left. Yeah. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And Vincent Price was such a good actor, too. Oh, I miss Vincent Price. Just his, his voice alone was so iconic. It was so good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he had a perfect, uh, you know, he was a perfectly wonderful actor. He had a great look, great voice, great everything. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, oh, do you believe in aliens? Yes. All right. Excellent. That, that's good. That's always <laughs> one of my favorite. I'm, I'm always interested uh, on uh, the amount of people that actually believe that there's something more than themselves. So, um, wh- okay. What exotic animal would you domesticate if Peta wasn't all over you? Oh, uh, what wild animal would I want to domesticate and have as a pet? Yeah. Uh, maybe a pig. A pig. Okay. A pig. Yeah. Yeah. Pigs are quite cute. Apparently they're quite smart. I've, uh... And this will be kind of loving. I've seen some people online that actually have pet pigs. Depends on where you live, though, and the zone yeah. laws, I think. Oh, uh, okay. I see. Yep. What gets on your nerves? Ooh, um, I kind of, I, I don't like it when, you know, I don't like people arguing all the time, especially over politics and stuff like that, you know. Um, I think we just all have to respect everybody's opinion mm-hmm. and their views a little bit more. Sometimes we have to agree to disagree. Um, you know, I live in a democracy and I respect that I live in a democracy and I believe everybody has a right to, you know, vote for whoever they want or mm-hmm. have whatever opinion they want to have. Right. Yeah, and I, sure. So that kind of annoys me sometimes. I just feel like we need to be a little bit more respectful of everybody. You know, people of different religions, people of different groups and have different mindsets, you know, mm-hmm. to have that mutual respect for everybody. That's so right. I think anybody like lacking in respect for every for other people probably irritates me. OK, that's a good one. I like that. Um, what was the last thing you did just for yourself? The last thing I did just for myself. Oh, that's a good question. This is always um, yeah, then I have to think about what did I do just for myself? Um, well, you know, sometimes I do things like where I book trips. Like last year around this time, I booked a trip to Costa Rica okay. and I booked a, a trip to Barcelona, Spain. Mm, nice. So those were things I felt like I needed to do because it was just a good thing to travel and kind of open myself up and experience yeah. different cultures and different places and experience different food and stuff like that. And then yeah. once in a while, you know, I might give myself a, like a spa day or something like that That's where awesome. I go and kind of unwind, you know, at the yeah. spa. Nice to feel pampered. Yeah, yeah, you know, and things like that. And then one thing I always do for myself that I'm really kind of meticulous about is I exercise most days. And I'd like to stay, you know, and I eat well and I and I buy good food for myself and things like that. You know, I think it's very good. important to be disciplined and take good care of yourself. That's yeah, for sure. For sure. If you could eliminate a holiday off the calendar, which one would it be? A holiday that would eliminate off the calendar. Like the celebration of the holiday? Yeah, I feel like if you could just be like, I'm gonna get rid of this holiday. You know, sometimes I think I feel that way about New Year's Eve because I feel like there's so much hype attached yep. to it. Yeah. And, and and people like and there's such a, an expectation mm-hmm. of what the New Year's gonna be and you have to have this super big blowout on New Year's Eve. 
and you have to like, the night. <laughs> plans and, yeah. and New Year's going to be like, oh my God, you know, and things like that. Whereas maybe like, you know, things be a little bit more mellow. Because how many people make these New Year's resolutions that they never follow through for? And we should always be making resolutions and trying to improve each other, ourselves and each other throughout the year, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. 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 I um I'm trying to think who I, we had on the show that uh, had an amazing New Year's Eve celebration. Uh, I think it was the lead singer of uh, the uh, the B52s, and he was saying that um, every year what he does is they celebrate a different year. So they'll go on, they'll find uh, like the the ball dropping in in Times Square uh, from like 1968, and and they'll oh. pretend like this is 1968 and they're celebrating like the end of 68. And then, then the next year will be like, oh, we'll do 72 this year or something. And uh, they're always celebrating a different year as opposed to the year they're in. Oh, that's interesting. I know this New Year's Eve, it seemed like a lot of people were dressed for like 1920. Really? Yeah, that was something I saw. I don't know if that was true in Canada, but in America, a lot of people were uh, you know, dressing like um, like it was 1920, I guess, with like, I guess, like... Uh, you know, like, you know, like, I guess kind of like the Great Gatsby kind of era. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, and then I watched that movie, The Great Gatsby, the, the one with Leonardo DiCaprio. Yep. Nope. That was a tearjerker. Speaking of tearjerker. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that one. That was definitely a tearjerker. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So anything with Leonardo DiCaprio was just make you cry pretty much. Yeah, yeah. What do you do? <laughs> yeah. What do you do when you can't fall asleep? Where I can't fall asleep. Usually I can fall asleep, but when I can't fall asleep, what do I do? Um, maybe make um, a nice cup of tea. Uh, try to like relax a little bit, hang out. Um, you know what would make me not sleep? Usually I'm a pretty good sleeper, but I I, I would say probably the best thing to do is maybe have your, make yourself some sleepy time tea and okay. kind of try to relax and unwind a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Um. What is the one thing that you do that uh, you makes you totally lose track of time? Oh wow! Probably uh, doing social media and talking to people online. Okay, yeah. That because I I have like over five thousand friends, uh, five thousand friends on Facebook, and then I'm also on um, you know Twitter and uh, mm. Instagram and all that stuff, and and I can have so many people contacting me simultaneously. Sometimes people get mad at me because I don't get back to them right away, but they yeah. don't realize how many people are contacting me. I had one guy put that on me uh, recently because, like, he said something like, "Hey, what's up?" And I have no idea who he is, but he's like on my friends list, okay. and I didn't respond like right yeah. away to like, "Hey, what's up?" Because I had like other things going on, and I'm doing my life, and I'm responding to other people on social media, yeah. directors and producers and people that I work with. Plus, I'm trying to like drive places and do things. And he like uh-huh. ended up flipping out, I think, and unfriending me or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I would have just responded five thousand messages. Talk to you next month. <laughs> yeah, you know, some people just don't always realize that um, people that are actors or or whatever, and that have a strong social media presence, we can really have a lot of different people contacting us all the time. Plus, we might be on a film set, or yeah. we might be trying to memorize lines. Or I might be like in a Zoom meeting with like uh, some film people that I'm working with, and, and it could take me hours, if not days, to get back to you. Because like, you know, if I'm working a film and while I'm doing like five consistent days on set, like yeah. you know, is getting back to someone I don't even know on social media like priority? Probably not. I might not even check my social media at all because I'm memorizing my lines and I'm in my character and mm. I'm focused. Yep. Yeah, for sure. And I don't think people necessarily understand the focus that actors. And probably a lot of other kinds of artists try to have. Like, I'm sure ballet dancers are like that, maybe athletes. Like, you want to focus. Like, you know, if you're a football player and somebody messages you during a football game, I don't think you're going to get back. <laughs> no, it's true. It's true. My dad's messaged me twice just since I've been on the show, and, and he's going to have to wait. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, that's the, one of the annoying things about the modern age that we live in is that we're so easy to contact. Yes. And that people are always expecting us to get right back to them right away yeah. but you know other things are pr- priority maybe you're out with your mom and you need to focus on your mom yeah exactly you know maybe you're home and you just need family. to focus on you like reading a book and having a cup of tea maybe we don't all want to be plugged in 
every single moment of every single day. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. If anything, I think a lot more people could, you know, use a little unplugging from time to time. So, and including. And I, and I try to do that when I'm, I'm working on a film. Like, I do not want to be connected to my phone. I put it on airplane mode or whatever. And I am working on my lines and I'm focused on that movie. Yeah. And I'm not, I don't want distractions. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Good set of uh, professionalism right there. Yes. Um, what is the best thing you've ever eaten? The best thing I've ever eaten. Well, one of my favorite foods, I would have to say, is Japanese food, which is sushi. Okay. Yeah. I, I like that. Sushi can nowadays. So took me a long time. Uh, my wife uh, convinced me to eat sushi when we first started dating, and it, I was probably like almost kicking and screaming when she tried to take me there. <laughs> yeah, certain foods are kind of hard for us to eat. Like, you know, Japanese food is really yummy. Indian food is another one that I don't think I had until I was in college, but I really love yeah, Indian food. Love I just it. had that a couple weeks ago with a friend. It was like our yeah. first time eating Indian food in a while. So we used to yeah. do Indian food buffets a lot, but they're not really doing buffets so much. So we went to a restaurant and just ordered a couple different plates of food. Yeah. And Indian food, people sometimes have a hard time with because, you know, it's a little exotic. Yeah. Yeah. Compared to what we're used to eating. You know, Thai food is like that, too. That's really wonderful. But it's a yeah. little exotic. Yeah. Well, for sure. For sure. Uh, the last question I have for you here is, uh, what is your favorite podcast you've been on in the last 12 hours? Sure. Yay. <laughs> I love one when there's no hesitation. That's always fantastic. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I really appreciate you having me on, especially right before Halloween and everything like that. I was I was disappointed. I apologize that I, I wasn't able to do that one day, but a work thing yeah. popped up. No, that's that's the nature the of the business. Thing, yeah, it was like a modeling uh, gig, and uh, for a couple of hours, and that was the only time slot he could put me in. And you know, money is money. And that's right. Yeah. You got to make a living, and uh, there's that we we we're never upset. You know, it's always wonderful when the times uh, work out, or if we can reschedule. But uh, if we can't, uh, that that's totally understandable because you know that's that's the nature of doing what you do. Exactly right. That's like one of the annoying things, or or the problematic things of being an actor, or I'm sure musicians and and lots of other uh, uh, fields are like that, where your schedule is always evolving and changing. Like somebody can call you up and be like, "Hey, do you want to work on a film this weekend?" Yeah. yeah. Things like that happen. Yep. Then you got to cancel all the plans with friends and family and be like, I can't make it. I got a gig. Oh, yeah. Because sometimes, you know, somebody gets sick or like we lost our actor. We need somebody new. Are you willing to do it? Yeah. It happens all the time. And then you have to, you know, decide whether or not you want to step up and you want to do it. Like that happens so often with films or cast. And then all of a sudden somebody gets bronchitis or, or somebody breaks their foot or something like that. And now we have to recast the film. Yes. And we only have three days to do it or something like that, you know. Yeah, crazy. Crazy. It's always evolving. But but you have to be the kind of person that enjoys um, I guess the spontaneity of it. Yeah. I mean, you kind of end up feeling like your life is, is always on standby, that you you're just waiting for the next call. I mean you're you're always planning like, Oh, I'll do something else, but the moment that phone rings you have to realize that everything might have to stop immediately and you gotta rush off somewhere. It's so true because sometimes you make plans to do something, like maybe I'll do something one month I'm going to do this on such and such week but a film project could pop up and then maybe they need you for that week yeah so your schedule is always kind of evolving in that respect you know or like a modeling gig could pop up or, or whatever and then you feel like you need to take that and sometimes the best opportunities come at the last minute like I remember uh, you know when I got my cameo in Death House mm -hmm. I did Death House I think uh, with maybe 12 or 15 hours notice oh wow you know, and then I, you know, they really needed actors to go out to Philadelphia to go to like this prison. And um, they had messaged me. Um, and I, I spoke to them like the day before. And then I went the next day, you know, like, like four o'clock in the morning. There you go. Pack and then it happens a lot with acting is that it's very spur of the moment. You know, mm -hmm. like you think tomorrow is going to be something, but it ends up being a completely different day than you thought it was going to be. Yeah. Well, it always keeps life exciting, I guess. <laughs> Well, it does keep things in interesting, and sometimes the best opportunities in life um, are the ones that are completely unplanned that just come out of left field. Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. So you got to go with the flow. You know? That's right. That's right for sure. Well, we've uh, loved having you on the show. Uh, before we go, of course, uh, if you have any uh, social media that you'd like to plug, any projects you're working on, or charities, or anything. Oh, sure. Well, everybody, check out um, Vampire Santa and look for that. I look for 100 Acres of Hell, which is already out. 
Um, look for me in upcoming uh, Brain Hunter, uh, Z Dead N, Jasper, or some of my upcoming films. Look me up on Amazon Prime for some of the films that I'm in. I think there's about 35. Check yeah. out my IMDb, Genevieve Rossi. I have a website. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. And I'm on Twitter. And I'm always posting stuff like what I've been up to and different films that I've worked on and things along those lines. And, you know, feel free to reach out and say, hey, just give me a little while to respond. Don't get crazy. Yeah, it might take a couple of days. If, if I'm in the middle of a photo shoot or I'm in the middle of a film, I, 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 I'm focused, you know. It would be disrespectful to the director or photographer if I wasn't. Yeah, so exactly. people have to understand that. And, uh, yeah, so, yeah, IMDb, definitely check out because you can see the movies that I'm in. I think I just went to 106 when uh, Vampire Santa was at it the other day. And yeah. and that's all since like 2012, so it's been a busy a time lot period. Of movie credits, yeah, yeah. And even with the pandemic, I'm trying to stay as busy as possible because I think that's good for my uh, mental health yeah. and my creative self to be doing that. And I think everybody should try to do that too. You know, um, during this time, maybe we want to pour ourselves into our creativity, buy a canvas, start painting, do mm-hmm. some arts and crafts. You know, pour yourself into something. Yeah, yeah. Reach out to a loved one. Let them know that you're you're still out there. It's true. It's true. It is a good time to reach out to loved ones and let them know that you're there. Maybe a relative you haven't spoken to in a long time or a friend, you know? Yeah, exactly. Well, with COVID still going and, and lots of places locked down, uh, this is a perf- perfect time to be on Netflix or, or Prime and checking out uh, Genevieve's uh, movies. I and mean, with over 100 credits now, you don't have an excuse to not have watched her movies. Yep. Look yep. for at least one. Come on. That's right. <laughs> All you have to do is one. One and a good, honest review. So. Yeah, that would be cool, whether you love it or hate it. Write a review, you know? Yeah. yeah Why not? Exactly. Well, uh, for our listeners who are on the road and uh, haven't had a chance to catch the live feed, uh, we'll make sure that uh, we will post up a uh, beautiful picture of Genevieve up on our website under our guest section, as well as all, all her social media links to make it easy to uh, to get in touch with you. And uh, hopefully people will uh, reach out, be able to answer uh, or ask a couple questions and uh if not, at least get to see some fantastic films you're in. So this is a good time awesome. for us to pitch Thank our you social very much. media. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Have a happy holiday. Thefap.ca on uh, Twitter is Thefap4. You can get us on Instagram. Is the Fab Podcast. Don't forget our Facebook. The Freaking Awesome Podcast. And uh, you can always reach out via email. The Fab Podcast at gmail.com. I'm on the air. We on the air. We got this podcast. Ah, oh, not again. Wicked sweet. <laughs>